All right, great. You guys are catching on, staying standing. You guys are on it. Hey, we're all here because of Jesus, and uh, it's just good to be here. My name is Joel. I'm one of the elders at this church, and uh, elder doesn't mean a big shot here, you know, just a servant. <laughs> and uh, anyways, let's get to reading of the scripture, and it comes from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want to say to you, understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well, I was, um, I was 23, I believe, somewhat newly married. Let's see, that might be a little hot, yeah. Newly married, um, and Susanna and I were uh, engaged in this uh, it's hard to describe. It was kind of a, a lay counseling, pastoral counseling kind of training program that lasted a year. We're so much in that thing that formed me deeply as a person, and I'm really grateful for it. But, but I'll never forget this one experience we had. One of the elements, one of the units of this kind of training program was a basically unit on, I don't even know if they use the term, but essentially, essentially prophecy essentially the idea of uh, kind of receiving communication from God and then imparting it to others. And I remember these, these moments that were created. We were all sitting in a circle. There were probably 10 or 12 of us and the kind of the group leader. And each of us kind of in turn was asked to sort of close our eyes and basically on the spot say, okay, what is God saying to you right now? And I remember being in that moment, and I was a youth pastor at the time. I was a, a professional Christian, if you will. And I remember like sweating, like praying to God. Like uh, at that time, I was like, I don't know. I, uh, I had been in some circles that were more on the cessationist, like God does not speak in that way today sort of camp. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, should I be open to this? I, I think I, I want to be open to this. Lord, if you want me to be open to this, let, make me open to this just sweating and confused and 
And then I, it was my turn coming up, but I remember the person sitting a couple people around to my right, he uh, was basically, from what I could tell, a brand new Christian, and it was his turn. They called on him. I don't remember his name. I only knew him in this context. And I could see, like, sweat beating on his forehead, and he was sort of like, okay, yeah, it's my turn. And so I remember him closing his eyes and um, kind of anguished sharing and maybe saying this and then eventually it kind of turned into something I don't even remember what it was something that he he felt uh, that God was saying to him um, then it was my turn it was my turn and I similarly went through a similar process where I was I was sweating and thinking oh I, I really do want to look spiritual if, if this leader is saying that God is basically always in the business of giving prophecy at all times, am I going to reveal my cards as a non-Christian here, like right now, if I don't have something to say? And so just like thinking and thinking, and I, and I, I think I remember going, well, I just, I, I don't think God is saying anything to me right now. Um, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's... And I think the group was like, oh, huh, okay. Well, let's then kind of move on to the next person. That, that, that memory has stuck with me for a long time. It's been a source of a lot of insecurity as I've thought back to it. Like, what, was I the one who, the only person in that circle who did not have a sort of like vital connection to the Holy Spirit? Was I the one that was sort of sitting somewhere with the blinders on unable to see this reality that everyone else was kind of tapped into. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. That's something I have to entertain for myself, um, even as I reflect back on that story now. Or there's another possibility, and I really don't know which one is the case. The other possibility is that uh, we were all being coerced and manipulated into putting words in the God of the universe's mouth that we were all being forced to say we were receiving prophetic words from God when perhaps some of us were not. See, in the, in the things of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, just because it's spiritual things, just because it's God things, there, there, are, no less, there are no less avenues uh, for peer pressure and coercion and insecurity and pride and performance to creep in. And as I reflect back on that, yeah, I, I still don't exactly know what to make of it. I could, I could probably take a more educated guess about it now, but, you know, I don't know what was going on in anyone's heart but mine. That's really all I can speak for is what was going on in my heart and in my spirit in that moment. And I stand confident that I, I, I don't think God was supernaturally communi communicating with me in that moment. And I'm glad that I said so. Stories like that... Maybe you've had one, maybe you've heard one. Uh, maybe this whole series feels like one of those for you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they shape the way that we come to these conversations deeply. None of us can divorce our biography from entering into a, a situation as theologically and practically and emotionally fraught as gifts of prophecy and speaking in tongues. What is up with these things? Are they real? Are they not? Are they for today? Were they just for a particular period of time? Are they just for super Christians? Are they for all Christians? Are they for no Christians? These are fraught questions. These are fraught questions. And they're the very ones we're diving into today. And as we've said at every, every step of this series, we've now, this is our third week looking specifically at spiritual gifts, but 
uh, we're only going to be able to scratch the surface. Um, but I hope that, um, that it's helpful nonetheless. So before we move any, for, any, any further, let's, let's pray. Let's pray and ask the, Lord, the God of the universe to speak to us and through us right now. God, we, we know confidently that you are alive and that you speak. Um, Lord, you're not mute, you're not dead, you're not distant, you're not disinterested. Um, but Father, we, we know from experience that um, claims to your voice have been manipulated, they've been abused, they've been confused, they've been misunderstood, and they've been used powerfully, powerfully, to alter people's lives for the good, for deep encouragement, for deep building up. So Lord, as we, as we head into, um, yeah, theologically divisive waters, Lord, and things that are mysterious and hard to understand, we just pray for an extra measure of your grace. I assume I've, I'm going to say something today that's wrong. <laughs> and I trust, I don't know what it is, but I, I assume it'll, it's in there somewhere. And wherever that is, Lord, we pray that you would correct me, correct us, push us into your truth further and further. We want to understand you rightly, not just to understand you, Lord, but to know you, to commune with you, to fellowship with you, Lord. So help us this morning. We, we, we need your help, Lord. I don't, I don't say that as a, a pious thing. We, we need you to help us, God. Please do. I say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if, if this is your first time jumping in on this series, either in person or online or listening later or whatever, um, we encourage you, I encourage you to listen back to the previous messages because they really do all build on one another. There's ideas that will kind of be assumed as we're talking today. Some we'll revisit, but, uh, but you can find that all through our website. Um, but today we're going to be jumping around over 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, three chapters of the Bible that really are the most, by far, the most extended look at what we might call the, the prophetic gifts of the Spirit or the, the revelatory gifts of the Spirit, the things that God uses to sort of supernaturally reveal himself. Um, but before we jump into it, we, we need to start where Paul starts in chapter 12 um, with kind of laying out, um, gosh, I need my Bible. I don't have my Bible. Give me a second. starts chapter 12 verse 1 through 11 which was just read for us concerning spiritual gifts brothers I do not want you to be uninformed notice that it's important that we are informed about these things notice this too you know that when you were pagans you were led astray to mute idols however you were led pointing out that the, when, when you worship these false gods and these carved idols and all these things, they could not speak to you because they're not alive. They have no power. That's in contrast to what he's about to say about the God that we serve. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
get some background there. There's implication that people are speaking on behalf of God, claiming to, claiming to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit, but some of them are saying Jesus is accursed. And Paul wants us to be very clear, that's not what the Spirit says. He will never say that. You need to be discerning as people make these claims. Verse four, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, we've heard this before, for the common good. For no one is given through the Spirit, for to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And we'll pause there. So what we have here is another, another gift, another list of gifts. We've looked at Ephesians 4, emphasized kind of, might call leadership gifts, gifts that are for sort of verbally advancing the gospel message and the building the church in, in particular ways. And then last week, we looked at Romans 12 at gifts we termed the mundane gifts and, and gifts that Paul lifts up as vitally important and crucial and spiritual Though we might be tempted to denigrate them, say those don't matter, those are important, those are less, less, less spiritual, frankly, than some of these other things. And Paul pushed back on us there to say, no, no, no. These are just as valuable and crucial, just as spiritual, even. And now in this list, 1 Corinthians 12, we get another list, and there's some overlap. In fact, prophecy, I believe, is mentioned in all three lists. But this one kind of, kind of emphasizes like, what we might call the overtly supernatural. Whereas the others, even the first one was a little bit more mundane. This, the, you, you read this and you're like, whoa, that is, that's miraculous stuff. That is like only God, obviously God, could, could do this in someone. And so real quick, like we did previously, we want to just take a second to, 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 to define these gifts that are mentioned. We'll do it very quickly. But the gifts defined here, the first two, the utterance or the word of wisdom or knowledge, um, they're hard to distinguish. A lot of people try to create a harsh distinction between wisdom and knowledge, but in the Bible, that's not a super clear, super clear distinction. And so we, we'll just group those together and say, this is a gift of receiving messages from God for the purpose of speaking, of uttering wisdom and knowledge, possibly or probably for specific situations. This would be God giving you supernaturally communication that's for, for, for speaking wisdom into the particular situations of your life or your church or whatever. Second is faith. It's a gift of special, like it, you know, we're all called to have faith. If you're a believer, you have some measure of faith, but we're all called to have faith. But this is a special gift of, of unique trust, unique vision or expectancy in God to do something. Like God calling you to something crazy. And if you've ever had a moment, just supernatural like confidence that Though this seems impossible, I am certain, like, I have, I have a supernatural supply of faith to move into this thing. Gifts of healing. These are various gifts, the, the plural there, gifts, plural, various gifts. There's probably multiple types for healing disease or infirmity. It's just what it sounds like. Healing disease by the power of the Spirit. The working of miracles. 
It's like, wait a second, isn't a gift of healing a working of miracle? Yes, it is. This is probably a broader category that includes healing, but also things like nature miracles. Jesus did a lot of those, turning water to wine, walking on water. Um, who knows? Who knows what else would fall in this category? But miraculous workings that are broader than just healing itself. Prophecy. We mentioned this before, the gift of receiving and then communicating direct revelation from God. Distinguishing between the spirits, a gift for being able to discern between the spirit of God and other spirits. God is not the only spirit, right? There are all kinds. Humans have spirits, and there are all kinds of spirits in opposition to God and his kingdom. Some people are gifted for for hearing and and, and being able to discern out, is this of God or is this of something else or someone else? Discerning between truth and falsehood. Various kinds of tongues. And when you read the word tongues in the Bible, I I think, I argue, you should just read the word languages. That's just languages. And this, notice he says various gifts, various kinds. There's not just one kind of tongues, but various gifts for supernaturally speaking languages that you don't know. Supernaturally speaking languages unknown to the speaker, and that includes human languages. Remember, we've talked about this. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes in dramatic power, his first kind of inbreaking to indwell this people, to baptize them in this new way. And on that day, as a sign to the world of what was happening, the disciples, these Galilean fishermen, start speaking, and people from various regions who speak various languages are hearing the gospel message in their own languages. It's a complete reversal of the Tower of Babel. It's God unifying the various languages of the world supernaturally in that moment. So that's Acts 2. But then in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul mentions angelic languages. So these are languages that are, that are not human languages. Angelic languages, he mentions. That's something else entirely. And then we see at least two contexts where, where tongues are spoken. Privately in prayer, Paul talks about praying in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. And then corporately in 1 Corinthians 14 later, but, but he, he suggests it has to be done with interpretation. Um, and then, sure enough, final gift, interpretation of tongues. Someone who, who can understand and share when they hear the tongues being spoken or the languages being spoken, whether they're human or angelic or whatever. So yeah, the, the nature of this list is very much like, whoa, this is, this is dramatic stuff. But if you go to the next slide, the ones we're kind of going to kind of zero in on today are these ones that we're, we're going we're gonna to term the revelatory gifts. And we could say all the, all the gifts of the Spirit are revelatory in a sense. Like, gosh, if you have the gift of service, like we talked about last week, don't think of that as non-revelatory. Through that gift, you are communicating powerfully and beautifully the servant heart of the King that we serve. The one who came not to be served, but to serve. There is something revelatory in that, fair enough. But... I hope you can see the distinction that that we can talk about some of these in a more narrow sense of revelatory, like they have to do with spontaneously receiving and passing along direct communication from God. Another term we could use is maybe the term prophetic gifts as a big umbrella to talk about these with with prophecy itself maybe being one, one specific bullet point under that. 
So Paul's pointing out again that the mute idols that the people had followed are very much in contrast with the God that we have who is real and who does speak. And I think it's no coincidence that he then goes into these gifts here. Our God has spoken in history. He has spoken through his scriptures and continues to speak through his scriptures. He has spoken through his son dramatically. And as he desires to, he speaks to and through his people, unlike those false idols. Now again, I'm just going to say it one more time for all of us. I know that wading into this conversation makes some of us nervous for various reasons. For some of us, it's primarily theological. Because I know there's probably as many different people are in this room, there's probably that many different shades of nuance around how we've understood these things. And that's okay. I view that as an asset to our church. Um, But some people have the theological conviction, conviction that these highlighted gifts, these supernatural revelatory gifts, Um, are no longer given by God. That what we're reading about was for that time, for that time specifically. And while I disagree, I I just, I acknowledge there are are biblical reasons people come to those conclusions. And we'll get, we'll have more on that in a second. But for others of us, maybe a little more, maybe painfully, we have experienced the illegitimate, irresponsible, distorted abuses of these prophetic gifts. Leaders amassing dangerous power for themselves behind the words, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. We've seen manipulation. We've seen coercion. We've, I've read some horrible stories in the last couple of years of, of leaders excusing their own sin. Behind, God told me this is okay. He told me it's okay. It's, it's okay to hide this from my congregation or whatever else. So on and so forth. So maybe you've encountered that firsthand and you've gone, I'm not going there again. I am not opening myself up to that again. And I understand that. For others still, this is probably where I I most fit in to the extent that I have trepidation around the subject. We've been made to feel like second class, spiritually immature, deficiently Christ-like Christians because we've never been given or experienced these gifts. We've kind of looked at those who, who kind of seem to have this like thriving and constant prophetic life and gone, man, I must be the B team. I must be the B team. That seems to be where the, where the action is in the spirit of God. And I'm not in on it. Sometimes these gifts have even been self-consciously used to create inner circles and hierarchies within the community. My hope today is, of course, to be biblical Um, And in biblical, find the good and the beautiful and the true way of understanding these gifts that give us, and and to give us tools to sort of name and reject the abuses of these things because they can be abused. But all the more to step humbly out into them and acknowledge that there are God-honoring ways to, to pursue these things in a healthy way as far as the Spirit of God wants to take us. Amen? So, again, I acknowledge I could have some of this wrong, probably do, and we'll trust God's grace to forgive and correct as we grow together. But um, those are the revelatory gifts. Well, let's, let's move forward and answer the question, hopefully, at least explore it, of whether these gifts are still available, because that's a big theological debate. We won't give it a lot of time, but in 1 Corinthians 13, which we're going to come back to, um, 
he, he's in this beautiful chapter about love. This beautiful chapter about the, like, the spiritual gifts are only meaningful like to the extent that they are rooted in the, in the pursuit of love in the Christian community. And that's, that flows from what we've talked about earlier. They're for building up one another. But this whole chapter 13 is such a beautiful reflection of love. We'll read it a bit as we close the sermon. Um, but here's, here's where he picks, I'm going to pick up in verse 8. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, even knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So, again, love is at the heart of this chapter, the very heart of God. Listen, lo- God, de- God defines himself, he discloses himself as love. Love is at the heart of God, it is the heart of all of his commands. Remember, it can be sum- all the commands can be summed up in the two inter- interrelated commands, to so love God and love people. And this love, he's saying, will never cease, ever, into eternity future. Love will never cease to be the basic heart and disposition of God and his people. That is good news, friends. And that's true now as we just stumble toward it by his grace and fits and starts. And it will be still the case into eternity when we are brought into love's perfection. Love will never pass away. In contrast to that, that never-ending love he talks about prophecies and tongues and knowledge as things that are, that are limited. They are here in part, but their usefulness will end when the perfect comes. The debate, next slide. The debate is over that highlighted word right there, the perfect. When is that? This day when prophecy and tongues and even knowledge is over is when the perfect comes. So what is that? That's kind of a vague term. It's kind of a vague term. So here's how we, whether or not we believe the prophetic gifts are still in act, active today has to do with how you interpret that. Here's, here's the two big ways it's understood. The first is this. Some argue that the perfect has to do with the completion of the Bible, the New Testament. At this time, these New Testament books were being, obviously, Paul's writing Corinthians, the book was being written. It was going to take years for it to be received and recognized as the authoritative scripture of the New Covenant. But... Um, yeah, some argue that it refers to the completion of the New Testament, that once the authoritative teachings of Jesus and the apostles are recorded and compiled, recognized as scripture, then there's not going to be any need for prophecy. You see the logic there? Like, we'll have the Bible. We don't need prophecy anymore. We have the Bible. That's what this is. This is the trustworthy revelation, and praise God, that is true. But in response, I would just say it seems like a stretch to take this vague language of the perfect, which, which doesn't give any other indicators that he's thinking about the canon of scripture, to take it that way. It also cuts against the emphasis of the rest of the New Testament, which almost like so many of the New Testament letters talk about prophecy going on, um, give, give guidance about it, at least reference to it. 
Um, and even when we talked about Pentecost, when the Spirit came that day in dramatic fashion, it was in fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that said, the, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, the young and the old, the men and the women, uh, servants and free, slaves and free. Nobody who, is, who, who comes to me to be part of my family will be denied my Spirit poured out on them. It's for all. And that that is the mark of kind of the last days heading into the return of Christ, which is the days we still live in. So for those reasons, I think reading, reading the perfect as, as the canon of Scripture just seems a little bit odd. It seems a little bit odd to me. I think it's far more likely Paul is referring to the day when we are standing face to face with Christ. You see that language there? Whether that comes through our death or, or certainly at his second coming, which may be truly what he has in mind. We see, his point is we see dimly now. We're, we're grasping. We have the spirit inside of us. We have the scriptures, trustworthy scriptures. Praise God. But we have these things, but we're, we're, we see dimly and we're trying. We're trying to grasp at him. But the day is coming when we won't need these things. The day is coming. Paul, is, his point is that we, do, we will not need prophecy or even human teaching as an intermediary when you are standing face to face with Jesus in the flesh. When he returns in power and he's, he's ruling and reigning amongst us, we won't, need, we won't need these things. I don't know if this is how it's worked. It's like, you got a question? Go ask Jesus. He's right over there. <laughs> Sounds pretty rad. Eternity will be here, the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. We will be reigning and ruling underneath alongside our king. I believe that is the day the perfect speaks of. So there's debate, there's controversy here, far more than we can say in two minutes. But, you know, we could acknowledge churches have split. Churches have split and people have left communities over differences on these issues. And these issues are important. My hope is that Door of Hope Northeast can be a welcoming place wherever you are on these issues. Um, but, but when I read 1 Corinthians 14, 1, which says, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, we just want to be clear that we believe these gifts are available. And if they're available, our desire is to be obedient to God and pursuing these things together as far as God's wills to take us. So, in short, yes, I believe there, there's not a strong scriptural case to think that these things have ended, and if that is the case, then we need to obey the command. Pursue them. Pursue these things. Desire these things. So, if 1 Corinthians 12 defines the gifts, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 submits the gifts to love, 1 Corinthians 14 is about bringing order to the gifts. And that's where we'll spend the rest of our time. Um, the, the picture we can put together as we read through chapter 14, and I encourage you to do that on your own time, is that um, the, the way the church in Corinth was using these gifts, specifically prophecy and tongues, it was leading them into confusion and chaos. It's, it, you get the sense it was just like this chaotic scene where everybody's just kind of talking over one another and people are speaking in tongues and nobody knows what they're talking about. And he's even like, think of non-believers when they come into your midst and they see this and they're going to be like, what the heck is happening here? What is going on? So it was just kind of this chaotic and confusing scene. And Paul, Paul wanted to bring not control, and it's not to control God or whatever God wants to do, but nonetheless structure and intelligibility to their gatherings 
so that the whole goal of all this stuff could actually happen. What's the goal? People would be encouraged and built up, edified, that they would grow in Christ, not just like, whoa, this is a crazy, weird spectacle over here. So we don't have time to walk through this whole chapter today, verse by verse, but I do just want to highlight a few of Paul's principles for stepping into the revelatory gifts the way God intends. First, first, we read in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, that we are to desire these gifts, especially that you prophesy. Listen to this. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for the ones who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Listen to this. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And I think it's important to note there, I don't think Paul is saying prophecy is inherently the more valuable gift. That would contradict a lot of what we've been learning already. He's in this context of like, what can actually help people? He's saying prophecy, speaking clearly the human understandable words of God, like like God communicating through you in languages people can understand is greater than speaking things that no one understands where you're just sort of off in your corner in your own world unable to build anybody up, unable to build anybody up. So, so, simple point, we are to desire these gifts, especially prophecy, especially prophecy. So we, we wanna start there as a baseline that, that our, our posture over time would not be fear or skepticism or anxiety or arm's length or you know, a desire to maintain control or whatever else, but it would be a genuine desire to share the desire that Paul has for us to engage and enter into prophecy and the rest of these revelatory gifts. But elsewhere in in the same chapter, we get our second point, which is that prophecies must be tested and discerned. We don't just get this free-for-all, like, hey, if anybody says, hey, I think I've got a word from God, that we just go, cool, that must be authoritative and binding for me just as much as the scripture, great, I'm going to get it tattooed on my arm or whatever. Paul, in the very same chapter, gives us this sense of, whoa, okay, like, there can be abuse of these things. These things can go off the rails. Prophecies must be tested and discerned. Listen to verses 29 through 33. He says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. So there's the sense of a couple people sharing and a a community of people discerning, like, does this line up with scripture? God does not contradict himself. His scripture is the authoritative baseline for all this stuff. He will not violate what he has revealed to us in here. If someone claims to be a prophet and they're speaking things clearly in contradiction with his word, they're not a prophet and they ought to be rejected. Let two or three speak, let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. 
For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So yeah, the, the, we have this, this sense of discernment and order and like do this in an orderly fashion so that people can actually evaluate what you're saying and you can share and we're not talking over each other. It's not this chaotic thing. If it's actually going to be for the encouragement and building up of one another, there has to be an order. And there has to be a chance to actually test and discern what is being shared. And, and in terms of discerning prophecy, I, I would once again just say scripture is the baseline. No prophecy will contradict what God has revealed here. Secondarily, you can discern through prayer. Bring it to God in prayer. God, does this seem right? Specifically, if it involves some kind of call to action or something like that, just discern, pray, ask him, make it clear in community. And then third, community. Discuss, share. The, the more significant something seems that's brought to you, we're just say, hey, bring this to your community of trusted people in your local church. Like, Does this seem right? Does, let's pray about this. Let's discuss this. Discuss the scriptures around this. Evaluate. Evaluate. Third, might be a funny way of putting this, but this is his language. Tongues are not forbidden if there's an interpreter. Verse 27, if any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. We, we kind of have this picture of Paul talking about himself, praying in tongues regularly. That was a gift that Paul had that encouraged his own faith. But he's, he's once again emphasizing intelligibility when the people of God are together. He says, I'm not trying to forbid it outright, but just make sure if anyone's going to try to speak in tongues, there are, there's someone there with the gift to interpret what is being said, or else it's just meaninglessness for the, gathered, for the gathered church. So not forbidden and requiring interpretation. A fourth point. Fourth point that's really important. I'll just read this passage first. Verse 27, for back from chapter 12. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He's once again tagging all of this back into that larger conversation we've had that says no one gets to tell anyone else that they're not gifted enough to have a seat at the big table. There's no second-class Christians based on gifting. No one has all the gifts. No one is self-sufficient in and of themselves. We are all individual members of the body with important and different roles to play in making this thing function. And so we should say clearly that none of the gifts, including these ones, distinguish classes of Christians. There is no A-team and B-team. There is no A-team and B-team. So, so taking some of these principles, there's more we could draw from these chapters. I, I encourage you to read, read these. But I want to just, just kind of lay out a vision of, of kind of a balance here. The balance we must strike is, is, is between pursuing these things, like saying, God, if you want us to have these things, we want them too, and may we have no barriers up. May we, may we pursue them as far as you will take us, balanced alongside a sense of discernment. 
We know these things, we can be mistaken. We know these things can be mixed with error. We know people can try to manipulate and have ulterior motives as they bring these things to bear into our community. So we have to have discernment as well. I think another angle is we, ha- we, have, to, we have to have a sense of trusting God that if he is the gift giver, if he is the gift giver, he will give us everything that we need. So again, that goes for you as an individual. If you're like, man, I'm pursuing prophecy. I, he tells me to, so I'm gonna pursue it. I desire it, I want it, I'm praying for it, I'm reading about it, I'm trying to test this thing out. And you just feel like, I just, that, he doesn't seem to want me to have that gift. You can just trust him. You can just trust him. Like, that's okay. Again, you are not second class. There's no deficiency in you. He has gifted you as you want. And I don't know what this, as we said last week, we are starting a conversation here that's going to be the rest of our life together as a church community, figuring out how does this pragmatically going to work and function. I don't know what he has for us. All we can do is make ourselves available to him and trust that he will give us what we need. That's it. We're going to trust him. We're going to trust him. And if we can trust him, that means we don't have to play these games. We don't have to play these games of pretending to experience things we don't. We don't have to manufacture experiences. We don't have to have a crazy video that goes up on our live stream up on YouTube that says, wow, those people are really spirit-filled. I pray that we are filled with the spirit. I believe we are filled with the spirit. And I pray that, hope that we are more and more today than we were a month ago and more and more six months from now than we are today. And on and on and on. But we are not play-acting, friends. There's no pressure to. There's no pretense here. We just trust him. He will do what he wants, whatever it is. But we're gonna continue to fight to be open and pursue, again, all that he has for us. As we step out into this, as we step out into this, and maybe you personally, just think of any of you as an individual, you're like, like maybe some of you have the inclination. You're like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there is a sense that like maybe God wants, ha, has been communicating with me for the purpose of sharing with others. Maybe I have the gift of prophecy. Maybe I have the gift of word of knowledge or wisdom. And you want to discern that and you want to develop that and you want to figure out how to use it. Or maybe you have no inclinations that God wants to do that, but you still want to explore it anyway. And I think that's good because he says, pursue it, desire it. The first thing you can do is just ask God. Say, God, in prayer, you command me to pursue this. And confess to him. Maybe you think, this is really weird. And I don't know what to do with this. I'm uncomfortable about this for reasons. Tell him the reasons, A, B, and C. But it seems like you want me to pursue this, so I'm going to pursue it. Or maybe... You're, like something is lit up inside of you right now and you're like, oh, this is, this is an option? Like God could do this? This is a possibility? And you're just ready to like lean into this. Whatever, whatever the state may be for you, tell him. Tell him. And say, God, here's where I'm at and I want to be obedient to you for all that you have for me. Let me step into this as far as you'll take me. The answer may be very far. The answer may not be far at all. 
That's up to him. But we're going to pursue and ask. Second thing you can start to do is to step out in faith. Um, actually, there's a book over there on the bookshelf. Um, it's called uh, Everyday Supernatural. Um, we've got three copies. If, if we get rid of those, we'll, we'll get some more. But it's, it's, it's a really good book. I don't, I don't agree with everything that's in the book, but I think generally it's, it's trustworthy and good as it's uh, about these kinds of prophetic things. And they have some very pragmatic steps for someone for kind of just exploring, like, is this for me? Like, ways to step out into it and test, ideas to think through, ways to discern, is perhaps God trying to speak to and through you? I, I would recommend that to you. It's going to take more than just hearing a sermon. It's going to take more than any one day or one experience to start to develop an aptitude and an ear and eyes to see in these things. That's a good resource. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the people who, who have a lot of experience kind of operating in the prophetic, and I'll take them at their word that it's sincere and that it's genuine, I believe that it is. Um, they say a, a lot of it just has to do with just kind of cultivating, in, you know, in your time, your intimacy, abiding in Christ, learning his voice, reading his scriptures, getting to know him intimately here, abiding in him. And then as they're going about life, just getting the sense of, you know, just a thought pops in your head. Most people, most people do not articulate these things as anything like the booming voice of God from heaven. That I, I, I very rarely hear that. I think he could do that. I don't think we should be close to that. If any of you hear the booming voice from heaven, please tell me what he said. <laughs> please do. I never have. Most people describe it as something, you know, I was, I was there... Maybe I was praying or maybe I was just going about my day. Maybe I was in church and a thought came into my mind and it didn't seem to be a thought that originated with me and it was about Jeff. This isn't real right now. I'm just <laughs> pretending. Um, it was about Jeff and it was just this sense of encouragement that I wanted to speak to Jeff and you know, early on I would have said like, oh, that's weird that I had that thought and just kind of dismiss it. But these most people articulate experience. I, I started to, to really notice that, and then I'd step out, and I'd say, hey, Jeff, it may, I, I could be wrong here, but I think God may, maybe wants to say this to you. Or if you're less confident than that, like, hey, Jeff, I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to say this to you. Does this mean anything to you? And many times people, like, reacting with this dramatic, like, oh, my gosh. Like, that, you have no idea what this means, but that speaks deeply into this deep crisis that I'm feeling in my life. And you're struck there with like, <laughs> surely that was God. Surely that was God. And on the other hand, if Jeff says, I have no idea what that means. That's no encouragement to me. You know what? Nobody died. <laughs> Nobody died. That's okay. That's okay. I think the danger in that moment would come in if the person speaking wasn't precise and clear in their language. I think thus says the Lord. If you're going to utter that, you know, in the Old Testament, people would get stoned for getting that wrong. <laughs> people did die. That's not a New Testament thing, but nonetheless, it sets, it sets a tone for us. You don't put words in God's mouth authoritatively unless you're like Moses standing in front of the burning bush. So we're not playing with this stuff. But there's a, there's a really graceful, peaceful way to, to come to someone and say, hey, 
You know, there's all kinds of ways we can nuance this with clarity in our speech. If you're not sure, you reflect that in your language. Hey, it seems like it's a great way to say something. It seems like I could be wrong. It seems like I'm supposed to share this with you. Hey, I'm not sure, but I think this. Hey, I'm not sure if this is from God or not, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you. Again, if any of you have a message you feel like was from the booming voice of God, it was unmistakably clear, for me, please share that with me. I'll still go and discern it all the ways I should and ought to, but I do want to hear that. But, but if it's something far more subtle, just be precise in your language. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. I wonder if the Spirit is tr- wants me to say this, or it, even, it seems like the Spirit wants me to say something to you. See how that's different? See the safety in that? See the peace in that? See the trustworthiness in that? That's not coming over someone with, hey, you better listen to what I'm saying. That's, that's just a humble posture of saying, hey, I, I wonder if I'm supposed to be God's messenger in this moment, and if not, that's okay. That is okay. So one of the things you can do is just start stepping out into these experiences in faith as you're praying and asking and pursuing these gifts. And you feel like, man, maybe God has something for the edification of my brother or my sister here in this place. Tell him. Tell him. And see what God does with that. And see what God does with that. I want our, cult, our church culture here to become a place where that's not weird. And even the attempt to someone to come, for someone to come up to you and say, hey, maybe this? Even if it doesn't mean anything that I would be encouraged by that person's boldness and their, their chance to share. Hey, here's the other thing with these things. There's maybe another pet peeve of mine. All, all such instances of just trying to personally encourage someone doesn't have to come from the gift of prophecy. You know? We can just have scriptures come to mind. Man, I feel like this might be meaningful for Jeremiah. I'm just going to share it. I don't have to claim that that's anything other than the scripture came to mind and I'm going to share it with my brother. Like, that's okay. There are also explicitly lifted, listed in scripture the gift of encouragement. That means something, you know? Where all the lines get, you know, sussed out in this, I, I'm not sure. We'll explore that together. But I think just in general, we could probably do to have a more interpersonal, like us actually just seeking to encourage and share with one another, whether that's prophetic, whether that's encouragement, whether that's, and I just was thinking about you, you were sharing this thing going on in your life, this scripture came to mind. We can do that, Door of Hope Northeast. We can be that kind of community. And I think that would bear some pretty incredible fruit for us. So, that's kind of all I want to say for now. We could do a seminar and really unpack a lot of this, but frankly, I'm not sure how helpful I'd be. I don't know that I'm particularly gifted in these ways. I used to have a lot of anxiety over that. But what I do know is that as, as a pastor here, I know that it's my responsibility to help equip the saints for the work of ministry. Maybe as I'm diving into this, a prophetic gift of some kind will be revealed. That'd be amazing. I desire it. I desire it. More than that, I desire for you to have those gifts discovered and fanned, have the flames fanned and to, to, 
to see like the body functioning in this way. Again, we're not forcing anything. We're not pretending anything. We're not acting here. But we're making space for God, for the Spirit of God to do what He wants. I'm excited about that prospect. Are you guys? Yeah. So without any pressure that this is for every single one of us, without any guilt that if it's not for me, that means I'm not on the A-team in this church, we just view it as another beautiful, good gift that we are to pursue and encourage and benefit from if that's what God wants to do in our midst. I see no reason why he shouldn't, biblically. So we say, Spirit, come. We want these gifts. We want to desire these gifts. If we don't, make us desire these gifts. We want to pursue these gifts. And there's so much more to learn about each of them, of course, but, but let's start there. Let's just start there. We want it. Do what you want here, Lord. Don't let our skepticism, our lack of faith, our fear, our past trauma even, keep us from opening ourselves up fully to you. Amen? Well, I could think of no better way to conclude this sermon than to just read Paul's beautiful encouragement from chapter 13 in full. You know, as we seek to step into more and more all that the Spirit has for us, we're going to leave the specifics to him. And we're going to continue to invite him in and to see what he wants to do. And whatever it is, for each of us individually and together of a community, we are going to fight for love. That's how he grounds all of this. And, and, and this is first to rest confidently in the love of God that was so powerfully demonstrated in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for our sins. We want to gaze upon that and, and be bowled over by that every day when we wake up, every time we gather as a community, that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Second, second is, is to love that same God because he first loved us. We acknowledge his love, but we turn around and we love him in response. We grow in our love for him to make more and more space in our hearts to love him with everything that we have. And then third, because these things cannot be separated, to love our brothers and our sisters here and our neighbors out there. With the love of Christ that is growing in our hearts by the grace of God. So with these things in mind, let me read 1 Corinthians 13. Close your eyes, actually. Let this wash over you. Paul says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and I shall, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Spirit, make it so.